0: Welcome to the Lair of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist, and I love the outdoors. And now that the snow has melted and the proper flow of time has reasserted itself, I can actually go outside.
1: And I am David Moore. And after traveling 14 and a half hours through the twisting tunnels of the lair, I took a beachcation, beach workcation. It was exactly what I needed. And in fact, I need another one. That uh, sounds fantastic. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. And I will tell you all about it. But first, I want to hear about stuff you've done while I was stuck in a car for 14 and a half hours. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a very long time in a car. It is.
0: Um, I've done that. I did. I did. My friends and I, many years ago, actually, not too many years ago. I think it was actually spring 2019, drove to Florida for for uh, spring training. We watched mm-hmm. three spring, spring training games. So we, we drove 20 hours to Florida. We're there for two days, watched three games, and then drove back from Florida.
1: That is, wow,
0: yeah. It was fantastic, but that is a very, very long car drive. And next it time I will stay there for a week.
1: <laughs> now, now you did 20 hours in one go, like switching drivers or something?
0: Yeah, the, on the Oof. way down we did it in one go. On the way up we actually stayed at a hotel and then gotcha, like broke it up into two separate sessions, which is really what you need to do. But we were trying to conserve time. Right, I mean, honestly, next, next time I will fly. <laughs> right hopefully next next time the pandemic will be over like we did it in 2022 or something which is a possibility
1: and that's why Um, we we did not fly was (laughs) pandemic related so and it also gave us a chance to uh we're in the car shopping mode because of well both of our cars are older and we need a new one that's reliable for my daughter who's about to go to college and she's going to be commuting and yeah so we rented a we rented what we thought was uh Range of like size of vehicle for what we might get. Gotcha.
0: So uh, I've been traveling a bit myself, but not quite so far. Uh, I continue on the trail to Philmont. So those of you who've uh, been listening, my son and I are going to uh, Philmont, which is in New Mexico. It is a massive scout ranch. It is this huge high adventure thing. It's going to take us 12 days of backcountry backpacking. It's going to be awesome, but we need to train. And so now that the snow has finally melted, we can actually get out and train. So that means I've been running back to running. Uh, Both my son and I have been running with our crew and then individually to just kind of build up endurance because Philmont is all about mountains. It is all about going up, going down, and then going back up again. So you really need to build up your your leg strength. We haven't quite done the stairs yet. The stairs are coming. And we have a very <laughs> nice set of stairs at the local college. So we'll be going up and down those far more than uh, either of us is really probably looking forward to. We've also been able to get in some camping. So I've been out twice, which is fantastic. I, I hadn't been camping since November. And before that, like uh, the March before, or actually maybe, God, the november before so it's i used to go camping every every month at least and mm. then i went camping once every six months and now we're getting back into our camping every month routine which is which is really cool and this coming weekend i'm going to be going backpacking a uh, overnight trip about i think the whole trek's going to be you know, like 18 miles something like
1: that i think we're doing like nine miles a day i would um, like to go camping cool. once a year but it's more like once every 10 at this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> And
0: I got, I got, uh, my, my wife is a very experienced backpacker. I'm catching up, but she's, she's still the, uh, the more experienced backpacker. And so she and I consulted because uh, on this trip, originally the plan was that the adult leaders would uh, split a tent. Okay. Um, but now we're doing individual tents because we've merged with a different crew that was going to film on. We basically, I think we've discussed this briefly before, but yeah. um, our crew originally had eight. We dropped down to six. We needed to match up with another group because you need to have at least eight. So now we're third <laughs> right? And anyway, the adults that are in this new group decided we're going to do individual tents. And so I've been out enough and I know enough about my tent to realize if I have to carry my own tent, I'm a little concerned about the weight. So I have ordered a new tent, which is a pound and a couple ounces lighter than my the normal tent that I've been backpacking with. And it's a little smaller, too, in terms of its footprint within the pack. Got it. Um, and a pound and a half or, you know, a pound and a couple ounces doesn't really sound that much. That's a lot. lighter. after 12
1: days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. uh when I was doing a lot more camping and, and some backpacking, reading about like shaving every ounce. Like yes. people would take their take their toothbrush and cut most of the handle off, um, to, to get rid of the handle weight. Uh, and other things along those lines. Everything was slimmed down as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and and, and we're that's kind of at the point where I'm at, which I'm, I'm really glad we're going this year instead of last year because it's given me the time to get to the point where I realize things are too heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I need to start saving some weight. So so that was cool, and, and just I'm really looking forward to going backpacking this weekend. But <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, you just finished editing uh, episode four if we're going to the Wayback Machine, which uh, yep. is about ready to get published. Yep. Uh, for those of you in the distant past, haha, <laughs> Uh-huh. And in that podcast, we were talking about I was doing the 10K training routine, right? Which, again, was like training for Philmont, getting ready to go and everything. And uh, as a result of that training, uh, I started getting really tight. I, my, my knees were starting to get sore. And so I backed off because the, the training routine was getting too too harsh. And as I started training again, getting ready for Philmont now that the snow has melted. Uh, I was starting to feel some of that same twanginess around my knees. So I'm like, oh, i got to stop this mess and just go and talk to the doctor about it so about he to ask. <laughs> physical therapy and okay. uh it, so the plus side is it's nothing um the official diagnosis from the uh from the, the physical therapist is runner's knee and in my case okay. it's not there's no damage to any of like the soft tissue or the tendons or all the other stuff that's around your knee it, it turns out i am incredibly stiff <laughs> My muscles are incredibly tight, and that just causes, like, this pain around your knee if you run too much, which I probably aggravated it once I started actually, like, running beyond the normal three miles and started going to, like, five and six miles. So, the plus side is physical therapy, uh, great. I've done physical therapy multiple times, and it's always... I mean, in my experience, it's always been the right answer for me Mm because it just it gets you back to where you want to be. And um, working with professionals who can tell you, hey, this is how you should be moving. (laughs) And so I'm already seeing good results. So if you're procrastinating for physical therapy, I I wholeheartedly recommend that folks do it.
1: I recommend physical therapy for other reasons, which is I had I had back problems and They were to such an extent where I would try to stand up out of the out of a chair and my back would spasm so, so much and so painfully that I would have to kind of let myself fall back into the chair. And physical therapy started me on the road to recovery. I I, it didn't fix me right away. Um, And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize with physical therapy is, you know, there's a big component of you have to keep up. With it, indeed, <laughs> um, and so I had started with it. They'd done back stretches, they'd done a bunch of exercises and, and other things like that, uh, and taught me a bunch of exercises. And then what really pulled me over the finish line of it was uh, I was teaching uh, teaching angu- an Angular class in Washington D.C. and it's, uh, it was a three-day class, but I had stayed there the whole week uh, and brought the family out for an Airbnb. I might have actually mentioned this on the podcast before as well. Uh, but like those three days of me teaching, mostly standing, because that's that's kind of how I, I, I teach. I, I If I sit, it sucks my energy a bit too much. And so I was standing for most of that, but then almost every minute outside of outside of class we were going somewhere around washington dc and you know the spy museum i i was never there for any of the the opening times of like the monuments and such like that but we went to the and i think no we did walk through the air and space museum at one point but it was a very short walk uh i don't know i don't remember i think it was closing by the time we got there and so but all that walking really strengthened my core up and and so physical therapy plus that week of it was very low intensity but it was a lot of it working out really helped yeah yeah, it's definitely
0: it's it's fantastic. So I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It's it's definitely paying dividends. It has in the past and I, I knew it was the right thing to do because at the end of the day, I do not want to injure myself I'm trying to get ready for Philmont. And I don't want to injure myself while I'm at Philmont because yep. uh, both of these things would suck. So anyway, that's that's uh, the you know training routine going pretty well. Uh, looking forward to doing more of it. Uh, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, Uh, Way back, Uh, (laughs) uh, Machine. My family raises uh, seeing eye puppies. Uh, So we get puppies when they're about seven weeks old. Theoretically, they go back to the seeing eye when they're uh, 14 to 16 months old. Our last one went back to the seeing eye when he was like 22 months old because of the pandemic. We have a new puppy coming uh, this Friday. It's puppy S. He is a male. We don't know what his breed is because we asked the seeing eye to hit random so they're just going to give us it's either they going to be a german shepherd a golden retriever or uh, some flavor of labrador um and his name begins with an s so all the puppies in the letter their names will begin with an s and that's
1: all we know and, and your last uh, puppy was radar do, do they always begin with uh the next letter in the alphabet no, that's just a coincidence. He was actually okay.
0: recon, but that's an easy recon mistake to make. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, we've had, we had Bob, then Hank. No, sorry. We had Olaf, Hank, Bob, recon, and now whatever Puppy S is. I'm shooting Got for it. Sam because I think it would be great to have a puppy named Sam. But, uh, and also I've been watching a lot of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that's Got it. a hot topic for another podcast. Got but it. anyway, puppy,
1: puppy S is coming. We're very excited. Little bundle of wagginess. So cool. That'll Do be we, cool. Um, what about Recon? And have you heard anything about how he has done?
0: He has he he passes physical and he's getting assigned to his uh, his trainer, if I remember correctly. So that's good. That's a good sign. Yeah, very good sign. <laughs> uh, and then you know we'll see. Uh, it takes you know once they're assigned to their trainer, it takes they they they're in training for about four months. Okay, so. We've got a couple, Probably, I guess sometime this summer, we'll we'll hear if he's made it. And if he's made it, then we'll get to go on a town walk in Morristown, New Jersey, and actually see him again. We can't get close to him because uh, we don't want to confuse him, but we'll be able to see him from like 50 feet away. We'll be able to trail him as he walks around Morristown doing his job, which is, always, which is very, very cool to see. We haven't actually had any of our dogs make it into the program, but we've had two go on town walks. And they were trained to the point where they could do it. It's just they had some uh, physical issues that prevented them from actually going into the program. Got it. So, but it's cool to see them actually working. Like this dog you spent a year with, and now actually seeing them do the thing is is pretty impressive. That is cool. That's very cool. So, on a gaming note, uh, I have so much geekiness coming uh, because of (laughs) Zine Quest. (laughs) So, playing it all is going to be the, is going to be, uh, it's going to be great. But on the tail end of Zine Quest, and I don't actually know that this publication was part of Zine Quest. It kind of popped up in my feed. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get this because of my lunchtime game. It's Sci- Scientific Barbarian. <laughs> there are three issues of it. Scientific Barbarian, right? The name is is awesome. Um, it has a cover that looks like Scientific America. Was it? No, Scientific, yeah, Scientific American. American. Right? Yep. Scientific American. And so they have these kind of some of the articles in this upcoming issue are cybernetics for the masses. Uh, unfamiliar familiars for post-apocalyptic games, the Broken Earth Catalog. Uh, You got your data chips and your Alexa, uh, which is a mashup of fantasy game with post-apocalyptic content, which hmm, sounds kind of familiar. Yep. And um, a mini adventure called Holding Up the Sky, which is a far future adventure with hints of Greek mythology. It sounds really cool. I went all in. I got the the two previous issues as well. And so I'm looking forward to these things showing up over the summer.
1: Yeah. I miss the Kickstarter. So you'll have to tell me when you get the, the PDFs or, or the print versions, how it is, and I might go out and, and wrangle it up. Yeah, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then so the other game I've
0: actually been playing. So this was actually from Quest 2020, uh, which is Delve. So this is by uh, Anna Blackwell, and it is a... It's not really a journaling uh, game. It is. A, it is a drawing game. And so the idea is, is that you are you are in charge of a team of dwarves, and they are delving. And occasionally they will delve too deeply, as yep. as dwarves are apt to do. Right. And so the idea is. <laughs> the idea is, is that you 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 draw a grid um like you know just a bunch of squares and then you have a, a playing deck a deck of cards and you draw the card and you consult the game and it tells you what shows up so if you draw hearts um you get extra resources if you get draw diamonds you get like materials if you draw clubs you encounter some weird natural feature like it might be a cavern it might be an underwater lake an underground lake that kind of thing and you draw spades it's usually something terrible <laughs> or terribly interesting. So uh, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun I've been it's one of these things that's it's you uh, you just have to sit down and actually play it right like I read through the book and I needed to actually just to play the game and so I started off I drew my first grid, got the book out sat down with my deck of cards got let's see one two know two rooms in and my dwarves were slaughtered by the skeleton King and his minions. Two rooms, okay. Okay. two rooms in. Two rooms in. We didn't delve that deeply. No. Nope. All dead.
1: No. Nope. First, so, like the top level? Top level. Like, okay. Top level slaughtered by Everyone.
0: the Skeleton King and his uh, skeletal minions. All right. So um, next time around, I delve and I got one, two, three, four, uh, four rooms in and I uh, encountered a whole bunch. I actually got to build my Dwarven Barracks this time and then I ran into what I called the Green Meanies. Um, some sort of humanoid monster which completely overwhelmed all my defenses, <laughs> slaughtered all my dwarves and he went rampaging onto the surface um, and again uh, again, the, dwell, the dwarves did not, it did not end well for the dwarves. That's and then good. I went back and read the instructions because I felt like I was doing it wrong. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because I kept dying on the first level. And that's where I saw that Anna had addressed this and called out the fact that you shouldn't play spade cards on your first level because spades are dangerous So spades uh, will unleash... Hordes, or... Skeletal Kings, Got it. other terrible things. So so um, if you draw a spade, you just redraw? Yeah, so the idea is, okay. yeah, you just discard the spade and you draw a different card instead. So it gives Got you time it. to build up your resources so that your dwarves actually, maybe they have a barracks, maybe they have right. a temple. Like At least you have enough resources to hire more dwarves to fight the things you're going to encounter on the deeper levels. So nice. with that, I am now three levels deep, about to go to my fourth level. I have fought two giant worms. Probably because, like, it's the same spade card, so I think I did something wrong.
1: Okay. <laughs> I
0: think I drew the same card twice because I, I got something out of order. But that's okay, I defeated both of them. Um, and I found a sleeping dragon, which I snuck past. And, like, got it. the mechanic for the sleeping dragon is that you can, every turn, roll a D4. And if you roll two, three, or four, you steal some resources from him. But if you roll a one, the dragon wakes up, melts the horde, and uh, that's probably bad. It's, it's really fun. Like, so I, can, I have my, I can, I'll, I'll show it for for David and I can post it in the, in the uh, show notes. Oh, cool. Very cool. So this, yeah. This is my deeper map. I mean, part of it is like, I enjoy doodling. So yep. it's just a fun game to kind of sit. And so what I've been doing, like either in the morning or at the end of the day is just, you know, you draw two or three cards, see what happens, sketch it out make some notes i've been doing like a, a kind of like a running log of what i encountered so i know where i left off i just keep my decks split so like you know facing each other so i can see like this is like the, the discards right um I just so throw don't... them back into my into my uh, messenger bag so so you don't have a third giant worm thingy yeah hopefully hopefully <laughs> but uh but it's been a lot of fun it's it's uh it's pretty relaxing and, and pretty chill it's just two cool. other games in this series which uh one, I think, is your—I know one is space-themed.
1: I can't remember. I think there's two are space-themed. There's one kind of like uh, colonizing a planet, I think, and then the other one is is building or exploring a space station. That sounds right. I actually heard about it completely separate from you on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. They would usually review board games and such, and one of the people was talking about Delve and how they had, and the way they talked about it, similar to what you just said, you know, it sounded very much like a roguelike uh, and also you know, it was a solo game and he he would like, he said he investigated like two or three areas on the first level, but then immediately started digging down and like <laughs> skeletons nearly destroyed all of his dwarves and then he found another group of something and i don't remember what uh but then the very next room found like the uh like mushrooms or something that that exuded friendship and so the the <laughs> evil things that he found suddenly became allies and then uh yeah it, and it just the the game, uh, one of the inspirations for the game is Dwarven Fortress, which is yes, uh, which is a pretty involved um, I think it's all ASCII art still, uh, computer game, but with a whole bunch of different sort of interactions, uh, a lot like something um, I'm forgetting the other video game now, uh, where you're on a planet and you're trying to basically have your colonists survive. Um, but there's all sorts of weird stuff that you can do, like harvest organs and things like that.
0: Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It's, 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 exceedingly involved. Like one of my right. coworkers just likes to talk about his friend who played Dwarven Forge, cause I had come across it and tried playing it and it, I did not get very far into it, but he said he had a friend in college who basically, he got into the game and he didn't come out for a month.
1: Yeah. I'm <laughs> surprised. Like... A, I'm surprised just a month sort of thing, you know, uh, given, given the things that I've heard and read about it. So. Very immersive. Yeah. I don't have that problem with Delve, but it is yeah. very much inspired by that kind of that style of game and
0: it and it's fun. Like who yeah. doesn't like having dwarves dig too deeply? So
1: Yeah, it's not meant to be a long playing game. It's meant to be you've got an hour or so at lunch and you can you can do most of a game from what I can tell. Right. Um, so what you been up to? Yeah, so that 14 and a half hour car ride. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, I went, uh, my family and I went to South Carolina. We went to a place called Myrtle's Inlet, which is just south of Myrtle Beach. I was really worried about it because it was spring break time. And even though it's a little cooler around that time, uh, around that latitude, the, uh, you know, I was, I was still worried about There'd be too many crowds because my wife and I we both have our first shot, but we not do not yet have our second immunization shot. But uh, my worries were for not. Uh, it was not very not crowded at all. Uh, we had really good weather. I did not take the week off, uh, but I still enjoyed being there. I, I was working remote than I normally re- work. Um, so they would go out and hang out on the beach for you know hours or walk and, and do other things like that. And I would be at the Airbnb that we had rented and it was, it was like a It's a little not bungalow, but it's like a little tiny little house, but it's up on stilts because it's South Carolina near the beach. It was less than a block from the beach, Um, basically across the street through a um, through a parking lot of like a condo building. And then there's the beach. So it was it was really nice. Uh, The weather was great. And yeah, I want to do it again like now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so in the evening, like in the afternoons or the evenings, we'd, you know, we'd get some, some dinner. Uh, but one of the things that we did was the, there's a, it was kind of a mystery in a box called Baker's dozen. And I can never quite remember, I'll put it in the show notes, but I can never quite remember the, the group that does it cause they've got several. And, uh, the, the mystery in this case is you are uh, one of the co-producers of a baking show and the owner slash other co-producer has thinks that something bad is going to happen uh, like one of the contestants she thinks that they're going to mur- try and murder one of the judges and because they found all the recipes cut up and in the trash and um, like they found some other things like that. And they so you basically start with this letter to you from her and then they all this other stuff. Um, so there's like an apron. But in the in the pocket of the apron is a photo and there's like a chef's hat. And in the chef's hat is is a little letter. And then they've got profiles on all the contestants and profiles on all the judges and uh, a set of recipes that have been, uh, they're not actually cut up. They're just, they're in square, like perforated squares that have been torn apart. But, but you, one of the things that you need to do is take this big stack of, of squares and puzzle piece wise, just assemble the like five or six different recipes Um, that the contestant, you know, one for each contestant, you have to reassemble those and then you have to read them and you find out there's a cipher on them. So you have to solve the cipher. And so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was good. It was, uh, uh, they say it was like six hours ish of uh, investigation. We really did it in about two or three Uh, I, I, I say two or three, uh, because it was, we did probably about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, one night and then it was getting late. And so we, we kind of put it to the side and then, uh, It was actually two days later when we actually came back to it. But when we came back to it, we had gone out to the grocery store, purchased uh, some poster board and some tape and some markers and did a whole kind of murder board sort of thing with it. Oh, nice. um, And (laughs) to solve it. And uh, and we ended up finishing it in about 45 minutes to an hour. We were we were really close uh, when we had stopped before. So uh, but it was a lot of fun. And I am definitely going to pick up another one of theirs that they have, uh, that they have out there. They they even have a sci-fi themed one as well. So uh, it's sounds it's cool. pretty cool. Yep, I've never played that sort of like you know that type of game.
0: <laughs> so it
1: sounds interesting. Yeah, it was. I don't kinda, know if I get my whole family into it, but it sounds cool. It was kind of sort of an escape room in a box, but not quite. Right. You know, you're solving you're solving a murder, not trying to escape a room, but a lot of the puzzles are similar, uh, and. I probably wouldn't normally get like m- my wife had gotten it for me for Christmas and it took this long for me to get, be able to get the family to play it because, you know, I have teenagers and everybody goes in five different directions and there's only four of us. So, yeah, it's so, but everybody enjoyed it. So I think if we get another one, it'll be much easier to get that the, the family back together to play it.
0: Um, well, and, you know, taking them, you know, 13, 14 hours to another state, yeah, good yeah. way to get them
1: to play it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had uh, they had a laptop and the the switch, but uh, really not a whole lot of of outside distractions that they normally would have at home. Right. <laughs> the other thing uh, I actually just got this today is uh, you can do anything, Magic Skeleton, uh, by oh, Chuck fantastic. Wendig and Matt, <laughs> Natalie Metzger. Yeah, the the subtitle on it is Monster Motivations to Move Your Butt and Get You to Do the Thing. And I would consider it a coffee table type book. Uh, Each page is basically, each spread of pages is a inspirational quote. Most of them were ones that Chuck had put onto Twitter. Um, Okay. (laughs) and, And some of them may have been cleaned up or whatever, but... But basically, they're they're like that, uh, and then and then Natalie has gone and illustrated them. So uh, there's a couple that are good that are that are pretty good in here. Actually, there's more than a couple that are pretty good in here. Uh, I love and I love her her artwork as well. So and she's a friend of ours. So yes, but you know there's there's cool cool artwork that relates to each one talking about a that like there's one with like a ghost running the robot body of something you know and so your and and part of the quote is your soul is a ghost made uh is a ghost piloting a robot made of flesh and so and and what <laughs> natalie has drawn with it is is pretty amazing and uh, so earlier today, as well, uh, they had a a, bo- a virtual book launch via Zoom, uh, and they talked about the book and how it came about. And uh, well, it was it was a good day. So it's a good day for that. Very, very, very cool. And talking about gaming, the uh, I, I picked up for my Friday night crew. Uh, I have to get them into it because it's it's a somewhere around like 10th level-ish sort of adventure. Um, but uh, it was one of my favorite modules to read. I've never actually run it, but Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. I am very jealous. And uh, <laughs> it's a fifth edition conversion, but also it has two or three edition, two or three Editions of the original module as part of the book. So if you wanted to see how the module evolved over time and it also has interviews with uh, several of the artists and uh, uh, and such who who made all the artwork for the game. It was one of the first modules that had an art book that came with it that you were supposed to show the players as they encountered different things. Like a little bunny sitting on a log. Yeah. A harmless little
0: bunny sitting on a log.
1: Right. The, the Totally ignore, harmless. Nothing ignore could the possibly
0: fact, go wrong.
1: Yeah, ignore <laughs> the fact that there are uh, tentacles coming out of the log, and the log has a big sideways mouth with very sharp teeth in it. Seems like you're seeing the glass
0: half empty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing the cute little bunny on top of a log. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, I, you know, we've lost a few too many... Uh, Minions, uh, to things like that in the lair. <laughs> yes,
0: this is true. So, this is true. I'm just but being practical.
1: <laughs> I'm just being practical. The ones that survive are, are a lot more cautious. So, so yeah, I, I really have enjoyed reading it. Um, one of the other things that I've found when they when I was reading through it is they point out that in Well, one, this was an origins module, so it was meant to be run in four hours. And yeah, there's no way that I would ever be able to run this in four hours. But a lot of the module has huge areas of basically empty space or empty rooms, and that was meant to facilitate running it. In a very fast-paced sort of environment, and so the fifth edition conversion actually fleshes out all those rooms and makes it so it's more like a uh, you know a multi-game, multi-night module. So yeah, so I'm getting my my current group. Uh, I know where I'm going to position this on in my world. Uh, it kind of fits in with some of the backstory of my world already. And so it, it should be it should be a lot of fun uh, once they get there. But it'll be a little while.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I know I ran it at some point. I just I can't quite remember when I ran it. I, mm-hmm. I think I think maybe I ran it in high school. And I, and I, or maybe it was middle school. Like, I can remember the, the, the rampant looting of corpses looking for different colored cards. Yes. Uh, because different colored cards got you into different. Um, and I can yes. remember the, uh, the the crazy diagrams. Like, you pick up a laser blaster and you just don't shoot it. You have to like, yeah. roll a series of dice rolls to figure out if you can figure out how to shoot it.
1: Which, which look, uh, I haven't looked, I haven't compared them directly, but look very, very similar to the Gamma World artifact understanding chart in like second and third edition. Gotcha. So it's got a lot of shared DNA.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that was also like the first appearance of the Intellect Devourer. Yes. Uh, spoiler. But Intellect Devourer.
1: The the Vegemkey. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh yeah, I remember those um, guys. Which are in like the Morden Tome of Foes for fifth edition now. Yes. Um but yeah so the the Intellect Devourer is yeah that's a, that's a big one basically each each sort of section vertically of the ship kind of has its own sort of special thing as far as i've seen uh, a couple of uh, some of the uh, some of the molds i think also come from this module um, i don't think sense. it's the brown mold or if like the i don't know there's there's a whole bunch of stuff in here i think the bullet might also come from this module Like the sand, the the Uh, land shark.
0: Yes, yes. Good times. Good times. I just my vague recollections include several characters dying, a whole bunch of laser pistols and laser rifles and other advanced technology. And the players going out into the into the rest of Greyhawk looking to conquer a kingdom. And then I think we faded to black Um, because I don't think we actually got to the point where they got to go like rampaging (laughs) through the Duchy of Grand Duchy of Jeff. Yeah. Um, or Keel and like just blasting the king. Although, so that, so it makes me think this was definitely a middle school thing because that sounds exactly what middle schoolers would do if they their right. hands on laser pistols.
1: Right. In fact, there is there is a <laughs> uh, thing in the fifth edition uh, thing of uh, basically saying, hey, if you don't want your players rampaging through your world with laser pistols and taking taking over this crashed piece of a spaceship and making it their base um then we recommend you know having one of the one of the functioning reactors uh have a malfunction and have the, <laughs> have a computer basically you know the the trope of uh-oh we uh-oh we did something it the whole place is gonna blow we gotta run and uh and so that's one of their solutions for it um i don't know personally uh having laser pistols have to get energy from somewhere and yes, so exactly. having the power packs eventually run out is, uh, is totally acceptable in my mind as well. Indeed. Um, I'll have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hope to. I hope to. Like, like I said, it's going to be a little while. So I've got plenty of time to, to think about it uh, and read it and, and plan. I'm not going to run the module straight from the book, but it, it's going to give me – I will use the maps. I'll use the monsters, but I'll, I'll adjust things as I see fit So and so- give it more of a story
0: right so so speaking of the ruins of an ancient world i hear you've been uh i see you've been playing horizon zero dawn i have uh probably
1: far too much uh <laughs> um i was actually playing that is it, again exactly my experience. Today. <laughs> it it has been a really good game i've really enjoyed it um i picked it up because uh it's post-apocalyptic and i love that stuff and also uh It has a little bit of, it has some elements there that I would like to liberally lift for Dysonfall because it's just, you know, there's a lot of things in there and and the tone of it really kind of fits with that, uh, with, with what I'm looking for. So, yeah, I've been running, having Aloy run around all over the map, uh, the version I have comes with the expansion pack as well. And so rather than completing the main quest line, I've actually been doing the expansion pack, which is technically like level 30 ish. And when (laughs) I started going in there, I was still under level 20. I'm not saying I got very far. I'm now close to or at level 30 now. Um, So I I haven't finished either the expansion pack or the main quest line, but um, I'm kind of slowly expanding both as I go through things. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn. So I got I got that game, I think, on December 29th of 2017. And this is relevant okay. because, like, two days later, I slipped on ice and broke my ankle. Ouch. And right. I then subsequently spent, like, the next three months playing Horizon Zero Dawn on my sofa because it was the only thing I could do. Yeah. So it was my, like... Yeah vicarious experience with the outside world because i'm trapped on the sofa having to keep my ankle elevated uh first with the splint and the cast and the whole routine right and so it was like my like my little like taste of the outside until i could actually like you know get out and do stuff so i have like mixed feelings i love the game but i've just fired it up the other day because i know um horizon forbidden west is going to be coming out soon oh right right Right. And I think it's a PS five title. I don't think they're going
1: to do it. A it's a completely much. separate game from what I understand. So it's not right, totally. So it's, a,
0: whole, it's a sequel to the game. And so I never finished it. And so I'm like, okay, I got to finish this game. I got to do, yeah. the, I got to do the frozen
1: North expansion. So, you know, it's a pretty, kind of like looking at the map, like how big the map are is the, the expansion really is just an expansion. It's not, yes. it's not another full horizon zero dawn sized game. But uh but it's it's been fun uh and you get you get new toys to play with and you uh I don't know if you ever get to upgrade your spear your base spear in the main game, but you do in the expansion. Yes. Yes, you do in the expansion. So I have that now.
0: I will say one of the things that I found compelling about the game. I guess I haven't played that many of these kinds of games. Um, I've played a lot of open world y type things, but was the hunting aspect, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not a hunter. I don't I don't have anything against hunters. Like my my uh, in-laws family's uh, very avid hunters, but in the game, like getting out and being able to like stalk the various critters Uh, pseudo critter you know technologically empowered critters like it was cool like it was it was i understand like scratching that itch and and being being able to do it virtually was very nice especially since i had a broken ankle but uh you know the cool like figuring out the weaknesses of the monsters figuring out like you know oh i need to level up the tech to be able to counter them in this way and like learning about them it felt very organic and fun and just i I don't know it surprised me
1: yeah I will usually end up going with, um, like arrows from. Well, if I can get real close, um, and they're not too tough, I'll sneak attack or um, or convert them. Especially if they're part of a, a herd of some sort. Gotcha. Um, but the I will often uh, find myself in situations where it's like, yeah, this that that just won't fly they're gonna murder me and so i'll i'll do things (laughs) like the trip lines and the the dropped uh the dropped basically mines uh traps and things like that and then i will um then i'll i'll start you know plinking at them and and have them run through all the traps and and such and soften themselves up until they get to me and some of them are big enough that I still have a lot of trouble, um, you know, <laughs> after they've gone through all of that. But uh, but it's it, it I I see what yeah the hunting aspect is really fun uh, and there's there's a lot to it that's really good. Uh, I love the the look of it. It's a beautiful game, um, and for the most part, the controls are really nice and tight. There's a couple of things that I didn't like about. Like one section in the frozen north suddenly have me doing platforming when in the entire. That happens in a game. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there's parkour in the game and like climbing up the side of things, but it's automatic. There's no chance of failure. And then all of a sudden, it's like I have to start jumping across these gaps and these bridges, and there's no automatic handhold on the other side. And. And then if you die, it sets you way back in, in a couple of spots. And it's like, oh, I'm past that <laughs> now into right. the fun part again. <laughs> um, yeah, I could totally I, I I would have much rather have had more of a puzzle than jumping across gaps and platforming. No, I hear you. Know? They're, they're in fact right, at, right after one of those sections uh, or actually it's a different area still in the frozen north. But one of the other areas. Is uh, it's it if you were watching it, you might think it was platforming, but it's a lot more of that parkour stuff. But you have to find the right places to jump, and and kind of puzzle it out. And then once you do and and make the jumps and such like that, it's it's got the whole parkour, you know, yellow handle. I, you grab it right. automatically. And I enjoyed that part a lot more than the let's jump across this moving thing and then die or miss and fall right. down in a ravine <laughs> and then have to figure out how to run back all the way up. So, right. Um, so yeah, it's uh, for the most part, it has not been platforming, which is why it so threw me. So, so much today when that, when there was, and I, I've played it 30, 40 hours so far. It's I've had, I got a good chunk good chunk into the game before I had to start really platforming. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen or continue to happen. We'll see in the similar vein. I, as I said, I, I was playing, I, I picked the game up because I was been interested in it for a while, but I also picked it up because I wanted to see and experience it for Dyson fall and see if there's things in there that were uh, were cool uh, that I could uh, take inspiration from and and I have uh, it just so happens that this Sunday this coming Sunday uh, I'll be running a game session for the Sunday group um, you know half the Sunday group ha- is is going so our normal D&D game is canceled which means we we come back to Gamma World normally but this is also the same group that said yeah let's uh, we're totally willing to play test this thing and so so we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna try and convert their characters over to mythic, uh, mythic d6 in the way that I'm gonna write it for Dysonfall. Uh, so I've been building, building mutations uh, and things, and uh, hopefully everything will be ready by Sunday. I need to dedicate some time <laughs> to doing that. So, and they'll be learning the system this Sunday. But it's a pretty quick and easy system to, to pick up. I found something. Uh, in the lair and through YouTube uh, that was really weird. I don't even remember where I found it initially. I think it was on Twitter actually. It was uh, uh, a group, probably a small very small team. They made something called Omega Mart and commercials for it. And it's it's one video. Uh, but it's a whole bunch of commercials and it's kind of like if, if aperture science ran a supermarket <laughs> and you know, it's like, you know, there, you think it's a commercial for orange juice. It's like, if you've had, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Omega Mart's orange juice. If you've, uh, had a, if, uh, you know, if you've had Omega Mart's orange juice today, Make sure you call our support line so that we can get you em- your emergency medical help. And then on the screen is like this picture like they you see a person pouring orange juice into a pitcher, but then the orange juice kind of starts growing up in a column out of the pitcher, picture, picture, picture and off the frame of the of the video. And there's all sorts of other stuff like that. There's stuff dealing with time travel and Thanksgiving. Uh, where the turkey mutates uh, or the ham mutates and things like that, it's it's a really it's it's five minutes of your time. It's well worth watching, and also is kind of in the quirky fallout post apocalyptic sort of sense uh, that also tickles my uh, my funny bone there. So that that's another one I, I highly recommend. Couple of couple of last things. Uh, my phone died, and so I have a new phone. It turns out that you can accidentally have your phone fall into the bathtub and it will work for a week, but then die later. <laughs> um, it was supposed to be rated for a certain amount, but, uh, you know, you dunk it in the bathtub. You know, it got dunked in the bathtub. And I, I had originally had had that phone had its battery replaced. So it's entirely possible there was like a little tiny pinhole where some water got through, and then after a week of it sitting in there, it finally found some nasty component, and uh, or not some nasty component. The nasty water found a, a kind of important component and then killed it. Uh, I went to bed one night and woke up, and it was dead. That's so sad. Yeah. So I have I, – I wasn't planning on it, but I have a, a newer phone, which – I would think that it would just be like my old phone, but it turns out that they added a lot of new features and it's kind of cool. I think it's the samsung galaxy s twenty one I think it is. Um, it has three lenses on the back, uh, which oh, are geez. which are different different focal lengths. So you know right. when you when you hit like times three zoom, it switches to that lens. So there's an optical there's there's an optical times three. And then you can still go up to like times 50 or whatever, but that's a more of a zooming into the image, not actual zoom. So it's, it's been interesting. It's been, uh, uh, it's been a good phone. Uh, I've liked it. The battery lasts quite a while <laughs> compared to my last <laughs> phone. I, one of these days I'm going to probably open my other phone and see if, see if it's repairable, but I don't have high hopes for it.
0: I, uh, I also just got a new phone
1: because okay.
0: I had an iPhone seven and it uh-huh. was, it was, well, that's ancient. In, in phone years, it, it was like 100. And right. uh, <laughs> so I upgraded to the iPhone 12, which... Um I think not get the Pro, which is the one that's got, like, all the fancy lenses and everything. But uh, the, the, it's it's pretty nice. The battery, you know, no longer dies. I think, you know, we were talking about going camping. I went camping in March. Temperatures got down into the 30s, and I think that just killed the phone. I think that was its last camp out. It's like, I give up. It's too much. Because uh, when I came back, like, you know, I'd charge it, and then it would hold a charge until about, like, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah, like, 1% got it and you know it was was a very old phone and i needed something better for film on anyway because better uh battery retention but it is a bigger form factor than what i was used to which uh i was debating whether or not to get the big phone and this is the most ridiculous reason for it i have a 1998 Jeep wrangler right um i typically keep my phone in the cup holder and this phone is too big for my cup holder oh no (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't think that was a legitimate reason not to buy a bigger phone. And right. I'm glad I did. Like, it actually fits my hand pretty well, and um, it's very comfortable, but it, it
1: doesn't fit the car. I do have a nice um, windshield mount phone holder that is also a uh, touchless charger. So that's that's what I use in, in one of our cars, and, and that's really nice. I've been thinking about that, but Jeeps have very... Compared to a regular car, small windshields. Okay. And it would take up a
0: not insignificant amount of surface area. <laughs> okay. If I like, yeah. mounted it there, I'm yeah. still thinking about it. Like mounting it on the side, like it might not be too bad. But yeah, definitely yep. an option.
1: Yep. I've turned more pens. Uh, in fact, Natalie uh, wanted some pens from me. Natalie from from. Uh, you can do anything magic skeleton. Um, she's a friend of ours. So she. I told friends that I was turning pens and she's like, hey, I'd like some pens. And so basically she picked out what she wanted uh, in terms of like the the barrel and the style of pen and pencil. And and I bought all the stuff and she just reimbursed me for the materials. So basically it's like, just pay for the materials. I'm still practicing. I actually bought two of each because I knew that <laughs> I, I might mess something up. In fact, one of them, I had a blowout right at the end on one of them. So it was good that I had a second one, but, uh, I've been, I've still been having a lot of fun with the pen turning. Um, and, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's really nice in terms of like, I can, from the beginning to end of Uh, doing a pen if I use like a super glue accelerator I could probably finish a pen in 45 minutes usually I usually I'll go and I'll drill out the barrel and I'll glue in the the brass insert for it and then I'll just leave it sit and then a day or two later I'll come back but then once I come back it's only about a half an hour until I'm done so that's why I'm saying about 45 minutes and so it's it's a nice project that I can do. They look nice. Uh, and I, and they're done. A lot of the projects that I pick up never end. (laughs) So, so this is a, this is a good way to teach myself. It's okay to finish a project every once in a while. It is. Yeah. It is. And the last geeky thing I have is my, I have a printer bot play and it broke. And so I ordered, uh, a, Pr- uh, Prusa Mark three. I don't remember the model number now. Uh, uh, but I, I ordered the uh, the Prusa one because Prusa has been around for ages, especially in the 3D printing years. That's a long time as well. And they've just gotten better and better. I've heard great things about their customer support. I know people who have them. They are more expensive than some of the others that are out there. But the fact that it just works and has good good tech support... Is uh, and they have their own slicer that they're continually upgrading as well, uh, and that's the software that y- is used to take the model and send it to the printer. Overall, they're, from what I've seen, is a great company, and I would rather support them than get a knockoff. And uh, so, unfortunately, they have a lead time of like eleven weeks right now. So, so in about three months, I should see it. So, in in the meantime, I was like. <sighs> All right, I've tried like four times to try and fix my printer. And so I've, I went on and I, I one, there was, there's a connector that came loose and I can't couldn't figure out where it went. And uh, there was another physical problem with the printer. And so I spent about an hour and then, and then lo and behold, my printer starts printing again. <laughs> the same day I make the order. So it seems fine. Uh, the problem is, is that I don't like messing. I like tinkering but I also like it to work. Um, and the printer bot play when it was, when it was working worked hundred percent reliably for a long time. And then it started getting flaky. And so this is something that I've kind of wanted to do anyway for a while. It never really worked a hundred percent after we moved. So, uh, so this is, this is one of those things that I just, it was, it was time to get a new one. Um, you know, it's kind of like when you're, when your car's going bad, or your dishwasher's going bad, or whatever, it's it's just it may still work, but it's not great. You know, right. it leaves food on it on on the dishes right. or something. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's just it was just time to replace it. Um, I am going to try and still tinker with it occasionally, but I will have another another machine that will print reliable parts for this machine. Uh, so if I uh, if we. If I do upgrade it it, it, it can be 100% and I can have two printers. And if I don't and I want to build my own, I can still... Take this one apart and use all the parts from it into in a new printer as well. But right, I want, and then,
0: you know, you can have the printers build a third printer, and then that printer a yes, fourth printer. Yes. And- yes.
1: Well, this is technically my this the new this printer will technically be my fourth printer. Yeah, I won't go through the timeline here, but but yeah, I, I kick-started <laughs> something and it never showed up, uh, and so I bought part. I I just said I wasn't going to go through the timeline, and here I am going through the timeline. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. Printers. Uh, yeah. So, but all of them up to the printer bot play were, were all kits and, and self-assemble, you know, things that I assembled from buying my own components for them. And the Prusa is, is a kit, but it's got everything and it's got the tech support. So uh, really looking forward to that in like, let's April right now. It's probably going to be like June or July by the time it gets here. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that is it for me. For, uh, for this, we actually uh, had that break between episode 15 and 16. Um, so there was a lot of stuff. Um, Indeed. I don't think we, we didn't have a main topic last episode, but I don't, I don't think we have a main topic this episode just because we're still just catching everybody up.
0: Yeah, sadly. Like it's, uh it's been a busy spring. It has. <laughs> and, and it's going to be a busy summer. <laughs> yeah. In so, good ways. We'll get in back to ways. a main topic eventually.
1: Yeah. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. If you have feedback, we definitely love feedback uh, since most of our episodes are not yet out. We haven't gotten any feedback yet, which is understandable, but we will love it when we finally do get it. Um, and we'll put it in a very special room in the lair. We'll also read it or listen to it. Uh, you can also you can send that to us at podcast at layer of, podcast at layerofSecrets.com or via Twitter at Layer of Secrets. You can also visit layerofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. So thank you and have a good evening.